This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Next, I have been learned Torah from him, from his books, from his Shiurim, for many years. It's been the basis of many a drasha and a Shia. Enough from me. It's a great cover to ask Rosh Hashiva to share Divrei Torah and Chizuk with us. Thank you so much. Shalom, good evening. Um, I'm not sure in terms of the familiarity of people with terms I'll use and how fluid and fluent the uh, comprehension of English is. I, I, um, I assume it's very mixed and I'll, I'll try my best to speak a bit slowly and try to use English words, I guess, as opposed to yeshivish for better, for better language. It is a tremendous chizuk in the, in the States, in the United States, the community that I'm part of is considered um, out of town, um, sort of, how do you manage? You only have a dozen pizza stores when Minigam and Medina to have at least two dozen, and how do you manage it, and so on. I come to a place where people really, really have done incredible things with conditions that are less optimal. And it's a tremendous thing to see a tzibur, to see a makom, to see so much here. And Be'ez Hashem, Michael Michael, it should be an inspiration for many people. You see what people can accomplish if they're inspired and they're working L'Shem Shemayim. So it's a chizek for me to see a tzibur like this. And Bezis Hashem, you should continue. Um, I guess one of the, one of the um, I don't know what to say, issues, but one of, the, one of the things hanging over the heads of many of us in this generation is there was a generation when people came to Yiddishkeit. It's happening now in places like here. But in the States, in Israel, there was a time when there was a tremendous inspiration and people moved towards Yiddishkeit. The challenge is how does that work with our children? In other words, yeah, you can speak about chinuch in terms of specific skills, what to say, what not to say, what to prohibit, what to permit. But th- those are technicalities. They're not really, um, uh, they're not really looking at, at a bigger picture and trying to understand what is the difference. Why is it that when one generation has made such a huge leap and gotten to where it got, the next generation doesn't seem to have that same sense of mission. And what, what do we need to pinpoint specifically? That's something I'd like to possibly try to get a feel for. So um, we'll start with the parasha, where everything is in the Torah. We have in Parashas Pinchas two 
parishes next to each other, juxtaposed. One is the concept of Yerusha, inheritance. That when a person passes away, there is a hierarchy of who inherits. Son, daughter, father, brother, sister, etc. Now, some of the Rishonim speak about this because this was a question, I guess a philosophic question, which really is part of, I guess, the socialist movement, part of the socialist ideology. Is it really fair that a person inherit an extraordinary amount of money? We, we can come to grips with the fact that if a person worked hard, he had businesses, he succeeded, the money is his. We get that. But his son or daughter did absolutely nothing towards it. So why is it that they should get it? And that's sort of a philosophic question, depending on whether most people who had wealthy parents never had a question. People who didn't have wealthy parents tend to have the question. But that's a, there's a certain divide which happens. But what is the... So the Chinuch speaks about this. The Chinuch, and again, I'm sorry if I'm assaulting people's intelligence, or, but the Chinuch is a very important sefer that, that talks about each mitzvah in the Torah, each one of the Tarek mitzvahs, in order of the parasha, and he describes the, um, a lot of times the rationale behind it, the meaning. And he says that all wealth, at the end of it, is a bracha min hashamayim. Yes, we work hard, we invest, we build, but it always includes a bracha min hashamayim. And when Hashem gives, He gives for an eternity. So it continues. And that's the justification for it. That's the understanding why the Torah said that it should go to children and so on. So that sounds just right. So everything we have gets inherited and so on. Adjacent to the parasha, and for an obvious reason, um, a Kaddish Baruch tells Moshe Rabbeinu, you will not go to Yisrael, you're going to um, pass on. So it says, Moshe Rabbeinu said, um, he, he, he turned to Kaddish Baruch and said, oh, if so, should appoint someone to, to take over, to lead. We need, call his needs a leader. So Rashi says that this is a segue from the parish before. When Moshe Rabbeinu heard um, the discussion with giving the Nachla, with the inheritance to the Benos Slavchad, Omar said, It's come time that I ask for my quote-unquote wealth to pass on. My children ought to pass it on. It's not what I thought. Yoshua is the one who should take it over. He was always there. He was always together with you. It says that Yoshua 
was always studying with Moshe and observing him. That's what Shlomo Melech said, that the person who guards over, who takes care of the fig tree, is the one who gets its fruits. <clears throat> now, let's ask ourselves, was Yahushua more fit than his own children? Then you should say, Yahushua is, is, is much more fit than your children. He doesn't say that. He says he put a lot more effort in. Let's give an example. Imagine we're looking for someone to Paskin Shilas. Our, our, our community is looking for a posting. And we say, this person can Paskin on one part of Shoharach. The other one can Paskin on all of Shoharach. But the first one put a lot more effort into the work. We would shrug and we'd say we appreciate it, but tachlis, for what we need, we need, if you can pass in Shilas in every, in every sphere of Jewish life, it's, it's, it's much more convenient, it's much, anyway. So, if Hashem would have said that he's not as worthy as him, then we understand it. But he doesn't say it. More so, the halacha is that a king, for instance, or a coin gadol, and even in later postkim rabbonis in towns, depending on different postkim, different ways, there is um, the person who is a son has the first rights to it, as long as he is he fills his father's shoes. In other words, he's somebody who has what's needed. If even if there's someone better. But if he has the requisite potential, then that's fine. So what is the answer over here? He should have just said, your children can't fill the job. And if they can fill the job, why don't they come first? That's really um, the question that we need to deal with. So I, I want to try to think through this a little bit, think this through this Rashi, what he's saying, and understand it. The, um, we're not talking here about a position of a specific rav or posake or whatever. Because even a king, if the, if the son is worthy, he takes it over. We're talking about something that is, um, let's call it, the, the, it, we're talking about the Mesoras of Torah and Kal Yisrael the service of leadership in Kali Yisrael. And in Ruchnius, in, spiritual, in the spiritual world, it's very different than the physical world. In the physical world, the work is a means for obtaining the goods. They're actually quite divorced from each other. One person puts a lot of effort in, and he has meager returns. One person puts a little effort in it, and it's matzliah. The main point is, bottom line, how much am I left with at the end? If I'm left with whatever amount, that's fine, that's good. So the work is simply a means to getting to it, and 
it, the, what, what, what we're really talking about is the wealth. So the wealth can be passed on father to son because I have it. I have the money, I have the jewels, I have whatever it takes. In Ruchnius, the work itself is the Ruchnius. In other words, it's not what you have. It's what you produced. It's, it's, it's you realize yourself through having accomplished. It's not the final product. Two people have an esrig. Both esrigim have the same standard of kashras as when you look at the blemishes. But one person had to work a month to earn the money to buy that esrig. One person had to look in a hundred stores till he found that esrig. And one person sent off and someone got it to him. The first people have a much greater ruchniistic kinyan. The, 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 the ruchnius that they have is greater because the ruchnius is the, the actual, um, what you, your input. Hashem doesn't need to love him, Hashem doesn't need to strike him. Hashem needs a person to do something. The person doing is what it's about. And that's really what the person has. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, who is the person that has the greatest Ruchnius content? That to, 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 the, the, the taking over Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't simply um, the leadership per se of Israel. It was the next flow of Torah. It means the entire ruchnius of Kal Yisrael. The notes of Te'ena Yochal Piryar, because the, the, the work put into the Te'ena is the pre. It is the fruit itself. There's a fascinating uh, medrash, which is sort of seems strange at first sight. People know it. And, and thinking about it, we begin to understand a little bit what we're talking about. It says on the third day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, the earth should be covered with a mantle of, of, of grass. A tree of fruit that makes fruits of its kind. So Rashi explains, calls a medrash, Sheyehei tam ha'etz ketam pri. Hashem had designated that the taste of the tree be identical to the taste of the fruit. But that didn't happen. V'hilo osa kein al-totza aretz. V'etz osa pri, v'lo ha'etz pri. So what happened was, trees came into being, they produced fruit, but the tree itself did not have the taste of the fruit. Now, obviously, the trees themselves are not at fault. They don't have any choice. It's not as if, but it's considered to be possibly the first thing that went wrong in creation. When something went wrong in creation means it's a precursor for 
for sin. People, we, there's now an area where everyone can have a glitch. Now, it doesn't sound to us terribly important that the apple tree tastes like the apple. Um, if anything, I guess it, it, people will start eating the trees. So I think kind of happy that, that, that it doesn't have any good taste and it tastes like wood. Why was it so important that it be in place that we really see it as being a severe flaw in creation? Why is it significant? I mean, it, 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 is it significant that there's apple trees and pear trees and peach trees? It's, that's Hashem made, that's fine. So this was another attribute, that the tree itself, that the wood itself tastes like the fruit, so what? What we're talking here is about this point, and it's an extremely fundamental point of creation. Does the work put in have the taste of the final product? So for instance, if I schlep boxes and I earn money for it, I'm pretty glad to get over with the schlepping the boxes and to just and, and, to, and to just have the money at the end. Shopping the boxes was what I had to do, but it's the money. The shopping the boxes, I'm glad if I can get, make enough money and stop shopping boxes. On the other hand, for instance, somebody who's a mathematician and he, he likes breaking his head on solving a problem or somebody who writes music and he tries and tries to get the right piece. Anything of that nature, we tend to have an enjoyment. We tend to have some sort of feel of the final product in the work that we're putting in. So, Akadosh Baruch Hu, in the optimal world, the potential of the world is that we feel the taste of the result in the effort itself. That's optimal. Hashem made it that this is where there's room for a glitch. And we don't have that sense of um, fulfillment. And that, and that creates a problem, creates a gap. It says in the Pasik, Yigiyah kapecha kisochal ashrecha betovloch if a person eats his yigiyas kapayim, the work of his, his own of his efforts, the, 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 um, it says, Ashrecha betovloch. Both of them mean, Ashrecha uh, is, is, is translated usually in the translations as fortunate, tovloch, it's good for you. It has that type of translation. Um, the Gemara says, Ashrecha b'olam hazeh, um, so are we talking about a sort of the rewards in this world? Those, those are meant to be minor things. They're meant to just be something to help us along. It's not something that should be what it's about. So I would hear from my, um, my Rebbe, Rebbe Shapiro, I don't, I don't remember if he said it on this passage, but he would say it many times. He would translate the words ashrecha, the, the words ashrei, ashrecha, in a very different way. The word ashrecha, 
he would say is similar to a word used in the Gemara called Ashrata Dadaini, which means the validation of, of a document. When you bring a document to a court and it's validated as being, um, as being correct, as being um, genuine, that's called Ashrata Dadaini. It comes from the word Aleph Shin Reish, the same type of, of a word uh, that comes from. In other words, Ashrei means that the, person's, the person feels validated, that the effort itself, when we have Olam, when we have Ruch things, the person takes a Lulav and Esrig, we believe that a Lulav and Esrig is very important to Hashem, and we believe in Olam Haba, there's a lot of Sahar for it, and so on. Same thing if we daven, same thing if we fast, whatever we do, our sense of it is, it's important, there's another world to come, and over there we'll realize how important it is. But Yigir Kapayim Kisochal, if a person, in as much as a person has to invest effort and sweat, he feels the taste of what it is that he's producing. If a person worked very hard to find a few scraps of matzah for Pesach, it was communist Russia, it was poverty, whatever it was, and a person worked very hard, he feels a tam of chayrus eating it because every, every bit of his effort is sunk into it. The... Um, it's something when the, in the Hukosai, when when the parasha speaks about the the what 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 Eretz looks like in its optimal state. So it says that the the hisig lachem daish the harvest and the planting will meet each other. In other words, the simple meaning of the Pasuk is, you'll be so busy harvesting that you're going to, it's going to run into the planting season. The simple meaning of the Pasuk is an abundance. But the Pasuk is using a, 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 a metaphor that, that strikes home at this point. The two will come together. The um, the, the, the planting and the harvesting, the, the sweat and the taste of the fruit will merge. And that's ultimate bracha. I think we, ha- we make a mistake when we pose the question to ourselves. We say, if it was so hard for me, and I appreciate it, so if it's so easy for him, He'll certainly appreciate it. I broke my teeth to read Hebrew until I was able to learn a line of Gemara. To start at an older age, it's difficult. And to get the words straight and so on, you're getting it on a platter, you certainly should be thrilled with it. And the answer is that that line of reasoning in itself is exactly wrong. The logic is exactly the opposite. 
it's because we made sacrifices and it's because we sweated and it's because we had to maybe face off our position that we have that sense of it. That's the So the logic is, is, is the opposite. So now the question is, okay, so what do we do? We don't want to keep our kids unlettered until they reach that age. Kula haivulai, that the miracle should happen twice is asking for a lot. So in the yeshivas, traditionally, um, the main stress has been on something called a melus betorah. In other words, even if you know how to read and you know a lot of Torah, it's a struggle. It's a struggle because not everyone has a temperament to sit. It's a struggle because some people don't have that exact, it's a certain type of chachma. And it's a struggle because no matter how much you can sit and how much brain you have, you still have to rack your brains to understand it. Doing things that are doing mitzvahs right, the question is not how much did I get a kosher as or not. The question is how much did I invest in it? I don't mean money, I mean person. If, I, if there are mitzvahs to be done, and some is more difficult, helping somebody who lives far away and it's a big walk to get to them, talking to somebody, dealing with somebody who's not easy to deal with. There are a lot of mitzvahs that are easy and a lot of mitzvahs that are difficult. We don't have to dafka choose them, but we need to emphasize to ourselves and our children that the Yegiyas Kapayim is what we possess. At the end of the day, the Ruchnias is not the final product. It's the work that went into it. The Mishnah says, Lefum Tsara Agra, based on the effort or difficulty, is a reward. It's not sort of a bonus prize. Like Hashem said, okay, you did a miss a but you also worked very hard. We'll give an extra bonus. It's like a worker shows up on a very cold day, on a very hot day, on difficult conditions. So we give him a bonus. The Funtzer Agra doesn't mean a bonus. It means the value of what you did is incomparable. If it, 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 it's, it's based on the relative effort you expended. That Hashem does it that way, that's 100%. But we need to be cognizant of it. We need to understand. So if I had to sweat a week to earn $1,000, and he was able to earn it in a day, I feel bad. Why do I have to sweat, quote-unquote, rightfully bad? But if I sweated a week to get something, to get tefillin, to, to, to learn through a sugya, and he did it in a day, what I have is very different. I have a week's worth of it, a week's worth of sweat and difficulty. That's what I have. And, 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 and that's the Ashrech of the So understanding what Ruchnius is, understanding that the Ruchnius is what the person expended and did, which means 
we don't obviously we're not we don't go looking to torture ourselves, but it means a that we don't shirk from doing things that that take effort, that we understand that the effort that we expend is going to be the bracha that we have, and we we learn to taste. I have an esther that took a week to get. I didn't just put down a credit card and told the person to charge it and bring it to the house. I looked for it and so on. I had to work in the sugi. I don't have such a good head. I don't have such, so much ability to sit. And I forced myself and I went through the sugi and I sweat a lot. That's, that's something. I, we, I once had a student in, in our yeshiva, once had a, a boy many years ago, just 25 years ago, a very sincere boy with maybe average abilities, maybe. And I want to say, ask him a few, whatever, if he wants it. He said, Rebbe, it's so hard for me. When I finally get shot in the sugya, I'm so happy, I don't need anything else. And I was, wow. And it was it said with total sincerity and simplicity. That's an attitude that we need to inculcate in our children and ourselves. That the, ultimately, the time of the pre- the, 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 the taste of the fruit needs to be tasted in the tree that grows it. And, and in the effort, the one who sweated watching and tending to the fruit tree will eat the, will eat the fruit because that is the fruit. The sweat that you expended, the nitzatein itself, that's the period. We should be zeichet to... If, if I may be so bold, yeah. we, uh, if I may, thank you so, so much. But can I ask, in a results-driven academic sort of a school system, would, would you have any practical ideas, perhaps, as to how we could give over to our children that the joy is in the journey and in, in how... Uh, it's, it's, so a tough, it's a tough thing. So on, on, yes, it's tough. But one of the, one of the things, for instance, in certain areas, you do need to create a marking system for how much you know. But you also, for instance, when, when we look in our high school to award who, who gets the top Pentora award, whatever they call it, we factor in how much did a person put in. It's, it's, it, we don't always choose in, in the secular studies or the general studies. We, we choose the highest average, basically, and that's it. In, in the Lemurian Kodesh, we say this person, because of how much you put into it and, and his attitude towards it and everything about it, that's a factor. Mm-hmm. We, we do need to learn. It's hard because we, we struggle, but having, on a personal level, telling somebody what you did on the test, even though in absolute terms is less than someone else, but in accomplishment, it's, 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 it's as big, if not bigger. We have to learn how to say it and mean it genuine because it is genuine. That's 100% right. It's technically, we deal with grades and marks. I, I believe in Germany, it's a lot more strict than, than other places. Officially. Right? <laughs> Officially. But, but finding ways to tell somebody, sit down and say, listen, you got an 80 on the test, but what you put in, your 80 in terms of personal achievement is, 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 the, is the star of the class. And, and we have to mean it. We have to mean it. We have to believe in it. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah. 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 Yeah.